0: All right, all right, friends and family, thank you guys so much for tuning into Every Day is a Saturday with your host, me, myself, Brian Roof. Hey guys, I am super excited to announce a couple things before we get started on today's episode 16, which is End of Active Service. All right, so I told you guys I had some pretty cool news, but before I get off with the cool news, I want to give also a shout out to a couple guys that have been listening to the show I know from the beginning you guys have been mes- messaging me about the show um, I'm i really appreciative of everybody who has been tuning in but I really really want to give a, a huge shout out to these three one is my cousin Jeremy Roof hey I really appreciate you man you've been you know giving me a lot of uh, you know support and watching and you give me you know messages pretty much after every show I really appreciate it you're uh, one of my most active listeners and I and I can't thank you enough. Cause, and I want to give a huge shout out to a good friend of mine, Jay Manley. I really appreciate you, man. You're uh, another one that has messaged me a couple times about the show. I really appreciate your your words of encouragement and also words of advice. And as well as Chris Alateri. Some of you guys may remember him as well. He was another one of my uh, guests but he also is someone who messages me often and, you know, keeps uh, giving me words of encouragement as well as some great advice. So I really appreciate you three. And I appreciate everyone who has listened to the show and has given me a like and give me a message. I can't thank you enough. And also because of all of you guys giving me so much and stuff like that, you know, we're the show starting to get a little bit more attention, getting some good uh, views on the YouTube side, as well as listening on the audio side. So. I'm super excited, and I'm more excited about this, too. I'm going to get to go on another podcast show. Uh, I found these guys on Facebook originally, then I've uh, seen them on TikTok, and then I started checking them out on YouTube. The show is called Contagion Effect. They're, it's ran, uh, hosted by two awesome guys named Eric and Mike. These guys love and support uh, the veterans and first responder community and that's uh, the the basis of the show. They have their guests on, and it is live. This one is going to be this Thursday, March 30th. If you uh, are listening to this before then, you can check it out live. If you're listening to this after March 30th, you can go back on YouTube and check it out. Um, Again, this show is called Contagion Effect, and it's going to be live on YouTube, and it's at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So, I really hope you guys have an opportunity to check it out. Um, also, I hope everybody out there is is doing well. I hope that, you know, you know the year is treating you well. If it's not, don't forget there's, you know, people you can go out and talk to. If you don't feel comfortable talking to a close friend or family, you can always call the number 988 and talk to someone over there. All you got to do is press 1, and it will put you in touch with someone who can possibly help you Uh, With what you're going through. But, anyways, I hope everybody's having a good time and let's go ahead and get ready for the show. All right, friends and fam, let's get into today's episode, episode 16, end of active service. all right, guys, if you guys haven't had a chance to check out the previous episodes, you can go back and check those out on Spotify, Anchor, uh, iHeartRadio, Amazon Radio, uh, Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts, basically all the podcast platforms. And also, if you want to go check me out, you can check me out on YouTube and watch it. Um, if you haven't had the chance to go over there and subscribe, please do that and also like. The channel, I would really appreciate it, guys. I can use all the love and support I can get. Um, I appreciate every one of you. All right, so let's get into end of active service. All right, so uh, this is going to basically, this episode is going to conclude my time and service in the Marine Corps. Um, so if you guys had listened up to this point, last time I talked about, you know, basically being a sitting duck over there in the Middle East at Camp Commando in Kuwait, and, you know, we were uh, – Very instrumental in supplying the frontline Marines. So uh, let me kind of, you know, jump right back into it. Um, As we are over there, um, you know, things kind of started to settle down uh, somewhat. Uh, It wasn't as chaotic. Um, Around mid-April, they had caught um, Saddam Hussein, and uh, they took him out of power uh, you would think that would kind of seize things, but it definitely didn't because uh, there's always someone over there that's looking for, you know, the next power. Um, so um, we definitely weren't out of the clear, and we were still taking some some incoming over there at Camp Commando. Um, and one of the times we had taken, uh, you know, uh, one of the, the Patriots shot a missile out of the sky, uh, some of the debris, had fell down and and I caught one of the tents on fire and it had set a huge inferno uh, there because as you can imagine it was hot as hell like I said if you listen to the previous uh, episode we were reaching into the 130 uh, degree temperatures Um, so it's super hot over there and uh, you know any little spark or anything would light these tents on fire because they're just made out of fabric and so uh, all these Marines had lost all their stuff. I mean, everything they had, you know, brought and everything they had ever been issued. So now, you know, being supply, it's our duty to make sure that these guys got all that they need. And and at the time, you know, our group is already basically split in half because we had half of the Marines that had to go forward into Iraq and hold down the supply line in the forward. And then we had Marines back at Camp Mando. In Kuwait who were you know receiving all the gear and then feeding the convoys that were going into Iraq so you know we're already very uh, you know split up at this point in time not at full man full strength and well, there's also you know some of our groups back at, at the rear rear which is in uh, Camp, uh, Camp Pendleton California so um, now at this point in time with this whole fire going on now we have to split up another group of uh, team which I got put on this team, and we had to go set out to the different camps, and we had to go try to uh, find, you know, all the stuff that the marines had uh, were missing, like their their camis, uh, their sea bags, their boots, you know, everything that you are issued, web belts, uh, the lbvs, you know, kevlar's, flak jackets, everything. And I mean, some of them obviously had some of their gear on them, uh, like their flak jackets and helmets like that, but you know uh some of them didn't and you know camp uh, camp commando Kuwait uh, was definitely a, a spot where a lot of rotations were happening. We had a lot of the grunt units coming in who were you know on the front uh, on the front lines and they would come back to camp commando and then another unit would go replace them and it was just kind of like to give these guys a break off the front lines so. Um, a lot of the Marines that had lost their stuff were grunt guys. They all needed their, you know, stuff immediately. Um, there was no sleeping during this effort. Um, it was probably a good 48 hours. But in within that time frame, you know, we were able to round up all the stuff that we needed to and got these guys, you know, back up and running immediately. Um, one thing I can tell you in the Marine Corps is uh, you're never going to stop us from, uh, you know, accomplishing what we got to accomplish when we got to accomplish something. Um, also, you know, something that was really amazing um, being over here, being over there in the Middle East uh, is seeing all the different, you know, the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, you know, and the Marine Corps, all of us having to work together um, and not just us, but like all the different countries and, and every all the other players that were involved, the UK, the Australia, NATO, um, you know, all those people, they all were over there. And to watch it all work together is something else. And, you know, you you do a lot of training. You train, you train, you train. You can never train for the live live stuff. It's just uh, you you can try to prepare yourself for it. But uh, when it's live, you just never know what's going to happen. And and you can train a thousand things. And it's that a thousand and one thing that happened uh, that you didn't train for um but uh you know being over in that zone it was uh like i said something you know that i can never ever uh relate to in you know in in my day life i would never experience something like that ever again um we you know the stories some of the people that were over there uh, just you know some of the guys that you wouldn't think could go out there and kick ass or over there kicking ass and some of the ones you think kick ass don't kick ass i mean you 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 see a lot of things when it when the shit actually hits the fan you see who's really ready and who is the ones that are you know going to fight the fight um but uh i could tell you that being a part of you know the united states of america our fighting force is like no other um we it was you know uh, vi- we we pretty much mowed down anybody that came our way. At least in, in my unit, I know there was uh, some other units that uh, didn't fare well. I mean, because we're playing in you know their playing field, they know their cities better than we do. They know all their roads better than we do. So, um, you know, that's where they definitely had the advantage on us. But other than that, when it came to weaponry uh, air power, all those things. Um, you know, we had air superiority, whatever. Uh, there was definitely no Iraqi planes in the sky. Um, our air force ruled the sky, um, air force, Navy, all the guys flying over there definitely ruled the sky. The only thing that we had to worry a lot about were, uh, the, the, you know, uh, handheld RPGs and, Uh, the IEDs and all those things that were planted um, those were uh, definitely an advantage to them like I said um, you had to be pretty inconspicuous especially being in different uh, units Um, there's definitely different tactical measures that are taken to ensure that um, we don't get ambushed or Uh, overtaken I mean Marines are very cautious on things and I'm not gonna disclose a lot of uh, our secrets because obviously um, that would be stupid here on uh, the world wide web where everybody could watch Uh, but I'm sure it's been disclosed and it's out there already but anyhow um, let's see so about mid-June or so and I and I remember being around June um, because it's uh, right before 4th of July I get a Red Cross message that um, my step grandmother is uh, on her way to passing away, and uh, they wanted to try to get me home uh, in time to say goodbye to her. I'd grown pretty close with her. She had lived with uh, my family for a while uh, before she had passed. So, I was my uh, commanding officer and them let me go ahead and uh, go home. So, they booked a civilian flight for me and. Uh, it was all uh, a flight that i went on all by myself um kind of uh, sketchy <laughs> getting on a civilian flight from the middle east uh my first layover was uh over in uh dubai and uh it was it, i wouldn't say it was ne- necessarily like a layover it was just like a quick uh you know switching of the plane type thing so i get to dubai And when I'm getting out of Dubai, man, it's like, you know, I'm around all these Middle Eastern people. And here I am, like an American, just sticking out like a sore thumb. Um, I'm in civilian attire, but still, I mean, I got the haircut. You know, I definitely look like a military member (coughs) at that time. (laughs) So I'm trying to walk through there. And my whole thought is, man, I just want to get to my gate for my next flight immediately. So that was just my intention is, hey, go straight to my gate. And that's exactly what I did, got there. Um, from there, my next uh flight was from uh Dubai to Amsterdam. I'm thinking Amsterdam, hell oh yeah, bro. Like I've always heard the coolest thing about Amsterdam, so I was kinda excited, like, all right, Amsterdam. So we get to Amsterdam, I or the plane gets to Amsterdam, get out, I have like a three three to five hour um layover there. And uh I'm like debating in my head, like all right enough time where I can go out and do stuff, but I don't know this place good enough to where I don't know how long it could take me to get back here. So the Marine and me decided, all right, let's uh, stay here and just, you know, don't go out and get yourself in any trouble. So I went ahead and I stayed at the Dang airport and I walked around. Um, That was my extent of getting to see Amsterdam. I didn't get to go out in the streets and check it out and go into any cool shops or anything like that. But so I get on my flight from Amsterdam and my next stop from there, I want to say was on the East coast. And I want to say it was like Chicago or something like that. Uh, they put me on the plane. I'm sitting next to this uh, female and, uh, she is a really cool lady. She's, you know, we're just chitting, chatting up. And I come to find out she's a comedian and, you know, cause I'm like, Oh man, they put me next to American. That's pretty cool. Because I'm on the fight with you know all different kinds of foreigners, and, and so it's just kind of odd that I get sit next to an American, and she's over there supporting the troops. Here I am a Marine. Um, we weren't at the exact same base that you know she was over there supporting this AYSO tour and uh, doing stand up comedy, and I was just like you know I was really blown away by that. She was a really funny person, great person to have a good conversation with. Wish I remembered her name, uh, but anyways, something it's kind of cool about her is i end up seeing her on last comic standing way like several years later on um you know on the tv and i'm just like tripping out like no way dude i sat next to her on uh, you know my flight and uh i was really happy to see her on there and, and seeing that she had progressed so well in her um uh, comedian life and i know that she had gone on and i seen her like uh on doing different skits on the uh comedy channel so Um, I know that her career was starting to flourish and I was so happy. But anyhow, um, when I get to my next flight from uh, the East Coast was all the way, they flew me all the way to LAX, which is where I would greet my uh, family there. So I have like my mom, my sister, my little brother, my stepdad, they're all sitting there with my sign, you know, you know, welcome home. And I got to go through the whole customs and courtesy thing, or you know, um, custom and courtesy, but the whole customs, and uh, they're sitting there checking my bags and everything, because obviously I just came from a whole combat zone, and uh, they wanted to check all everything I own, you know, inside my my shoes, everything. So uh, I went through my extensive uh, search, got back my my uh, mom wanted to bring my truck. I had this um, newer f-150 i put some rims on it had like a little system on it i you know really missed my truck so they brought that over i was so excited got in my truck driving home (laughs) all my family members are just sitting there holding those shit handles and like gripping onto the seats because i'm over there driving all super aggressive because i'm used to driving over in the middle east because um something I don't think I've ever shared on, you know, the a- other episodes is how crazy driving over there is. And they have some of the most massive roundabouts where it's this huge circle with like they're up to like I mean, I don't know how many lanes. I maybe want to say 6 to 8 lanes and, you know, they got all these different exits for you to exit off and man, you can get stuck on that roundabout for a while and watch your exit just keep, you know, coming up and leaving you because you can't get out of this damn you know roundabout and i mean these people are driving like literally bumper to bumper it's like you're you're dang, you're kissing each other's bumpers as you're going through it is it is something absolutely crazy and you know other things that were kind of crazy about driving over there would be you'd see this small little pickup truck and in back it'd be this fucking camel sitting there laying down and camel's like half the size of the truck that it's in and just like super crazy man seeing these big uh these big ass camels in the back of these little small pickup trucks but uh so anyhow um i'm driving home you know like normal uh get home and uh, like i said i unfortunately i don't i didn't uh make it in time for my uh step grandma she had already passed away uh fortunate enough though i was there and able to go to, um, her memorial service and her funeral and all that stuff. So, um, went to that and, uh, they gave me like a little bit of leave. Um, and also 4th of July, like I said, had been coming up and, um, I didn't really know, I guess what to expect. I, I gotta say being back home, it was odd and weird, um, going from, a uh, area where, you felt all the time like you're on alert and that you know you're basically uh on on point for your life i mean you know being in the combat zone even if you are in the support area you're we were a target over there we were you know sitting ducks we were constantly running um you know from incoming missiles um so like i said coming from that and then all of a sudden just coming back to you know normal peace place and trying to get your mind to, to get out of that zone, it it was, it's a really hard transition, um, you know, and because I had, you know, this Red Cross message, there was no transitioning from me going from the combat zone, you know, back to Camp Pendleton, and then out into public with my family, so it was kind of asked backwards, because of the Red Cross message, I was able to go home right from, you know, the combat field. And so I remember uh, around the 4th of July time frame, you know, people start shooting off their fireworks. And I remember this like damn near hitting the floor, uh, hearing some of the fireworks when I was first at home. And then I'm sitting there um, freaking out like constantly. My anxiety was on, on point. And also I was having issues with sleeping because of the time difference. Um, so it started getting into where i was having bad issues sleeping um just constantly thinking you know scud missiles are coming or you know alarms are going off and while i'm sleeping because over there when we're in the middle east we're constantly being woken up uh, from scud alarms at some time then we're just you know going from a dead sleep to a dead sprint run to you know to to get for shelter um So going back and and, and being at home, what a transition. And I remember for the 4th of July week, I really was like, I really can't be around here. So I took off towards, like, uh, you know, areas that were not allowed to have fireworks. I went towards the mountain area and some of the the areas where there's, like, a fire area and you're not allowed to do fireworks. Kind of got myself out of the elements, and um, it was, like I said, that first— week that first couple weeks home uh what a transition that was like i said and 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 having to be introduced right into fourth of july where here i am my biggest trigger and thing was like like booms and bangs especially the sudden ones that i didn't see or i you know i don't you know don't i'm not aware of that it's getting ready to happen i'm a lot better now to the point where if i'm around it and i see things Uh, up front in front of myself I'm okay but if there's something that's unexpected booms and bangs it really uh, does play a number on me and uh, makes me feel uh, a kind of way and I wish I (laughs) I wish I didn't have to go through that and didn't experience that because it it has affected me in in a lot of ways where I had to leave places that um, you know my family didn't understand why we had to leave early or uh, things of that nature Um, But uh, let's see. So while um, I'm home, I kind of kept to myself at that time. Just spent a lot of time with my family. I had missed them. Um, I I was very grateful to be back at home. And then, of course, it was time to go back to duty. And when I went back, they were kind of making a determination of whether they really wanted to send me back over to the Middle East. Um, or, you know, just keep me back because I was getting ready to um, get out. So, and I had saved up enough time uh, to where I could actually get out earlier than my actual um, end-of-service time. So, um, I had – because in the Marine Corps, if you – you could save up to, I think it was like 63 days. And if you saved up up to – that's the maximum you can save. And if you had 63 days, you could actually – Kind of get out early you can basically take 63 days of leave until your you know your contract ends and that's obviously what I was able to do because I wasn't able to take leave and things of that nature while I'm over you know in the Middle East and stuff like that for those six months um so uh I go to uh I go back to work you know and uh, it's it's kind of weird being back at work because a lot of people are gone. They're still over there in the Middle East, and there's a lot of new uh, Marines that are been coming in, and so uh, it was it was like you know dealing with all these boots. You know they don't know how to do the job and things like that. So you're coming back, and they all been doing things their way, and then you come back and you're like, oh shit, man, now I got to adjust back to you know, how they've changed things over here because all these different marines are in place and and things of that nature. So um it was quite the experience and I was fortunate enough, like I said, to add getting out the 63 days early. Um I was very nervous about getting out um at this point in time when I started to go see uh the, the you go see a career planner guy and they kind of try to talk you into staying in and and stuff of that nature, asking you, well, if you're getting out, what do you got yourself planned for, and things like that, and at the time, I had kind of had something lined up. I had talked to my stepmom, who worked in the aerospace industry. She worked at a place called Northrop Grumman, and uh, I, so I had something kind of lined up. I also had been talking to, um, like, a state farm insurance agent person, and uh, I was going to possibly do that but the only thing with that is it's like you really got to build clientele it's not like they give you a set of clientele and you're already making money and you know I, ha- I needed to start making income you know relatively quick so um, I went ahead and uh, took the early enlistment uh, went back and moved home for a quick little uh, short time got an interview at uh, Northrop Grumman, and uh, Northrop Grumman uh, took me in. It was My interview was pretty easy with them. I had uh interview with a Marine who was in the Ve- uh, Vietnam era, and then his boss was another Marine, so a lot of my interview had to talk. We were talking about Marine Corps, stuff like that, and um, so I was very fortunate to have that hookup because my stepmom had Um, Worked there for a while and she knew the boss man. So it was kind of a you know way in And so I was fortunate enough to get that job over there Then I also had connected with uh, one of my best friends that I had grown up with He was kind of looking to get out of this house So the two of us decided all right, let's go ahead and just get ourselves a a little place together and you know We'll move on out man. And so that's kind of what we did. We found ourselves a little Uh, duplex apartment or whatever, Um, and uh, it was pretty cool. I gotta say, I had a lot of fun living with my buddy, and then, of course, you know, I got myself hooked up with a woman and got myself, you know, kid and married and all those things, so I'm gonna go ahead and cut it off here right now because that's gonna be how I'm gonna get myself into the next episode, but before I go off, I want to just you know, in this episode by saying, uh, my venture in the Marine Corps was, you know, during the time I I do recall a lot of times where I was always looking like, man, I can't wait to get out. I can't wait to get out. And then, you know, after getting out and being out for a while, there's a lot of things that I think you miss and you really appreciate. And, and one of them is the brother and the sisterhood that you, you, you form and these bonds that you create with some of these people, Uh, that you, you know, you get to know them better than family members, and and unfortunately, you know, when we get out, and some of us are in different states, different cities, and I mean, we're miles and miles away from each other, so it's not like we all get to hang out like we used to, and so, you know, we do lose a little bit of touch, but the nice thing is, is a lot of times when I reconnect, or I talk to one of these people, it's kind of like it was something that we, you know, never left off on, and and, and like, you know, we're back to where we were when we, you know, left each other, so that is pretty cool and unique. Um, I am always proud to be a Marine. Um, I have no regrets of uh, joining the Marine Corps. It was the best decision for me and for my life. Um, Yes, I have elements from it, but, uh, you know, I have always pushed through and tried to make the best out of every situation. So um, no matter what, I, you know, I'm trying to keep myself always on the upward side and and try not to go downward because I've hit rock bottom a couple times in my life. And as you guys will hear in some of these next up and coming episodes in my life after the Marine Corps, you'll hear how I definitely hit some rock bottom spots in my life and my my world kind of spiraled out, out of control, and, you know, it t- took a little time to get myself back and, and regain my focus, and I'm still on that, you know, on that trajectory of trying to get better, trying to be a better person, trying to be a better husband, trying to be a better dad, you know, all those, all those good things, but um, anyways, guys, I really, like I said, I can't appreciate you guys enough for taking the time to listen to me. I know sometimes I may not be the most funnest person and stuff like that, but Um, I have some really great interviews that are getting ready to be coming up. I hope you guys uh, have been enjoying some of the previous interviews that we've had. And uh, like I said, I'm always trying to improve the show, trying to get it better. And I want to say thank you guys so much for listening or watching every day of the Saturday with your host, me, myself, and I, Brian Roof. You guys have a great one. Take care.